Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. I wonder, had they compromised with this, would they have been up for the challenge when the next thing came along? And the point that I'm making is that we all kind of know the big things we want to stay away from. We don't want to compromise with those things. But sometimes we let the smaller things go. We give a pass to ourselves on the smaller things. But the smaller things can accumulate. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Daniel chapter 1. Now here's Pastor Brian. The glory, the magnificence of Babylon would have just completely astounded them, undoubtedly. And they're not only to be educated, they're in the in the education, what, what is essentially happening is they're going to be deprogrammed from everything that they had been brought up with, and now they're going to have the Chaldean worldview instilled in them. So they're going to re-educate them. They're going to put them through this process. But not only that, they change their names. And, you know, especially in, in the Hebrew culture, so every one of these guys, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, all of their names connect them back to Yahweh. So Daniel and Mishael, notice they end with L. L is God. And so Daniel is God as judge. And Mishael, some say, who is like God? And then Hananiah and Azariah, they don't have L connected to their names. They have Yah connected to their names. So, so anyway, their names... They're identified in their names with their connection with Yahweh. And so what they're doing in Babylon is they're replacing their Hebrew names and their connection with Yahweh, and they're giving them not just Babylonian names, but they're giving them the names of the Babylonian gods. So they're basically stripping them of their identity they are trying to impose a new identity upon them. And this happens today, doesn't it? You know, as as the world is becoming more aggressively pagan, I won't even say secular these days. Pagan's better because pagan's more accurate. But as the world is becoming more and more pagan, as it's, as it's becoming more blatant in its opposition to the biblical God and more bold in its idolatrous behavior, have you noticed what the world wants to do? It wants everyone to get in line with the program. And we're seeing it. You know, I never imagined that some of the real anti-biblical, anti-Christian ideas in the culture 
would be being enforced by the corporate world. You know, we always thought of it just in terms of the government. We didn't think, think of it so much in terms of the private sector. But, you know, think about it today. Think about some of the largest corporations and how now they are imposing their ideas of morality upon their employees. And they're demanding that you think this way and that you speak this way and you'll be penalized if you don't do this and you'll have to go to some re-educational kind of a training to teach you how to properly think about things now. So this is the way the world's always been. It was this way when Daniel arrived in Babylon, but it is this way today as well. And man, you think of our kids, our grandkids, our great-grandkids, whatever it is, and you, you think as they're going into this world and all of this pressure to conform is on them. To deny their Christian heritage, perhaps. To deny their connection with the God of the Bible and to fall in line with the God's of the culture. And it sometimes it's so daunting. Sometimes it just seems absolutely overwhelming. I mean, honestly, I, I pray for my grandkids regularly because I just think, Lord, this is, this is really a challenging situation for them. Challenges that I never faced. And we must continue to pray. But look what happens. So all of this effort on the part of the state to bring these guys into conformity, and yet Daniel, he's got a different plan. Verse 8, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So the key here is Daniel purposed in his heart. Daniel made a commitment that he was going to obey God and he was going to trust God to help him in the face of whatever opposition might come his way. He purposed in his heart. And that's where every real commitment begins. It's a purposing in the heart. It's a decision that we make that I'm not going to go with the flow. I'm not going to follow what everybody else is doing. I'm not going to be conformed to this world, but I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I'm going to stop. I'm quoting from Romans 12. Remember, Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Literally, he says, stop being conformed to the world. So the Roman Christians, they knew what it was like to have that kind of pressure, and they were buckling under it. Paul says, stop being conformed to the world. Or even more literally, stop letting the world mold you into its image. And man, that's what the world wants to do, doesn't it? It just wants to swallow us all up. It wants us all involved in the group think. It wants us all following 
the rules and going along with the newest thing and, and the thing that is at the top of the list of, of people who think of life apart from God. But like Daniel purposed in his heart, we can and must purpose in our hearts as well. But look at verse nine. This is important. So Daniel purposed in his heart. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. So here's the beautiful thing. Daniel is going to go with his conviction, but God is working at the same time. And that is something that we can't forget. And when we see people take a stand against the crowd, when we see people standing firm for their faith in Jesus, when they're being pressured to compromise, we need to remember that that God is with them as well. It's not just them alone. The Lord is with them. And the Lord is working. And so the Lord is already at work here and he's brought Daniel into favor and goodwill with the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king who has appointed your food and drink, for why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this matter and tested them 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away the portion of the delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. So God was with them. God gave them favor and delivered them out from under that edict. And verse 17, as for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. So God gave them wisdom. Now, remember, they're learning the literature of the Chaldeans. They're learning the way of life of the Chaldeans, and God is giving them wisdom. Now, as we read on in the story, we know that these men are going to be extremely influential in Babylon. And in order to be influential in Babylon, they had to be educated in the ways of Babylon. In other words, they had to understand the the cultural context they were living in. They couldn't be complete outsiders to be effective. They had to be insiders to be effective. And, and what we see with Daniel and these other three is we see that it is possible to maintain a strong Christian testimony and also do a really good job 
in the world. Also do a really good job in even maybe a corporation or an atmosphere where idolatry is rampant, where God is not honored, where biblical truths and ethics and morality are completely uh, ignored and undermined. It's possible for God's people to be in those environments. And not only is it possible, but like we see here, God actually sends them into those places. And I can think of three or four examples right off the top of my head of people who are in the corporate world who are working for a company that some people would say, well, how do you work for them? I mean, aren't they like the Antichrist Incorporated? (laughs) And (laughs) they might say, yeah, they are, but (laughs) nevertheless. But, But God has them there. But it's amazing how God has his people in those places. And, of course, even in in the government. And even in a democratic administration, guess what? There are Christians that are there. And they're not all Republicans. There are Democrats who are Christians, believe it or not. They love Jesus. And they're in places of influence. And we cannot forget that. And we, I think, in this day and age, we need to realize that we need to to be more um, open ourselves to being in places like that. And we need to encourage those who are feeling led into certain places like that. We need to encourage them to move in in that kind of a direction. God might be calling them there. Again, I think I mentioned John Lennox earlier. John John Lennox is was he's sort of retired at this point, but he's he's still at Oxford. Uh, but he's a mathematician. He's a professor of mathematics at Oxford University. Oxford University is a center of humanism and paganism. But throughout his life at both Cambridge and Oxford, he has had an unbelievable impact on the lives of many others. Or you think further back to somebody like C.S. Lewis, who was also in that same context. And I'm saying this because there's, there's still sometimes a mentality that, well, if you're a Christian, then you can't, you know, you're not going to go into those kinds of places. Those places are not safe. Uh, we need to avoid that. We need to stay away from that. Not necessarily. God might very well call us into those places. Because if we just evacuate all of those spaces, where is the light that needs to shine in the darkness? Now, I know I talk to people lots of times who, you know, they're working in the world and it's just a grind and it's tough and it's ungodly and it's all of that. And they just, man, I wish I could just quit my job and come and work at the church. (laughs) Well, it's different. (laughs) But, you know, it's not all that different sometimes. Unfortunately, because we're 
We're all still sinners, right? But we, so you know, thinking like that, we need to think more like, but, but wait a second, if we all just huddle together at the church, then what about the mission that God's called us to in the world? God's called us into the world. That's the field that we are to labor in. So thank God for those that the Lord puts in those places, whether they're young or middle-aged or older or whatever the case, God, God's got his people in these places just like he had these men there. And so now that at the end of the days when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them and found them all, found among them all, none was like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king. So these guys were at the top of the class and they were brought right in before the king. So God put them there. Just like God put Joseph in the court of Pharaoh and made him second ruler in the kingdom. So that's what God is doing at this time with Daniel and these young men. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. Wow. So they were obviously intelligent. They were studious. They worked hard. They learned the ways of the Chaldeans. But they didn't compromise their own faith. They retained their commitment to God. They purposed in their heart. And think about this. Think about how easy it would have been for them to compromise on this particular thing. I mean, this in some ways seems like a, a kind of a small thing. You know, look, it's just, it's just food. Everybody eats this food. It's not that big of a deal. But to Daniel, it was a big deal because he knew that the food would have been sacrificed to the idols. And he knew some of the background on all of these sort of things. So according to his conviction, he, he needed to stand. But it would have been easy on something relatively small to just say, you know, that, that's not, don't worry about that. Now, if, a, if something big comes along, like, like he makes a statue and tells you to bow down and worship it, then you'll know that, well, you can't do that. But I wonder, had they compromised with this, would they have been up for the challenge when the next thing came along? And the point that I'm making is that and we all kind of know the big things we want to stay away from. We don't want to compromise with those things. But sometimes we let the, the smaller things go. We, have a, we give a pass to ourselves on the smaller things. But the smaller things can accumulate. And you know, the last couple of Sundays, we've been talking about things like 
quenching the spirit or grieving the spirit. And it's sometimes the things that don't seem all that significant. Oh, well, that's just, you know, my temper. It's, it's just the way I am. It's, it's not that big of a deal. And so we just keep giving into it. But as we're doing that, we're grieving the spirit. And we're quenching the spirit's work in our lives. And as we accumulate those, those kinds of things, suddenly we're faced with something bigger and we don't have the strength because we've been undermining our strength, not even realizing that that's what we're doing. And so this was, this was a real key in the success of Daniel throughout his entire life. And notice the last verse, thus Daniel continued until the reign of King Cyrus. Wow. So Daniel continued through the end of the Babylonian Empire all the way into the Persian reign. He continued to hold that place of honor and he continued to hold that place of influence and he continued to hold his commitment to the God of Israel. And so as we are out in our world, wherever God, God's put us, wherever, uh, you know, maybe we're there in the sense that that's our profession or that's just what I'm doing right now or, or whatever the case might be, or sometimes we're just passing through something, that we always maintain that purpose of heart that we're not going to defile ourselves with the world. And those specifics are things that you personally will be directed on by the Holy Spirit. I I have found that the Holy Spirit doesn't deal with all of us in the same way. And when it comes to things that aren't sin, but nevertheless are maybe things that would not be helpful or advantageous for our progress in the faith, for somebody, for one person maybe, that God will check us on those things. And we need to respond to that. And not worry about the other person that maybe doesn't have that same conviction. It's not a sinful thing, but it's just a thing that you, you've sensed a check from the Lord that you know, you're, you're not to do that. They've got a freedom to do it. Sometimes that can become a little bit like, well, well, why, why can't I do it too? But this is where we need to come back and remember, I've got a personal relationship with God and God by his spirit is going to speak to me very specifically about certain things. And I'm responsible to make sure that I comply with the Lord in those areas. And if my brother doesn't have that same conviction, well, that's not my problem. That's not my business. That's between him or her and the Lord.
For the month of December, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, Is Christmas Unbelievable? Four questions everyone should ask about the world's most famous story by Rebecca McLaughlin. Although the holiday season can be filled with fond memories from childhood or the prospect of more to come, the holiday season can also be one of the most difficult times of the year. The longing for those we miss can intensify, or the loneliness felt throughout the year can be amplified. Whether the holiday season brings you excitement or dread, Rebecca McLaughlin will introduce you to the man born 2,000 years ago and explain the significance of his birth for you today. She will deal with the incredible claims of Christianity and will help you see that it is perhaps more important than you think. The book is Christmas Unbelievable, Four Questions Everyone Should Ask About the World's Most Famous Story by Rebecca McLaughlin is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Daniel. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.